The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Well, we live in a world full of distractions, don't we? If you are live here, you probably don't know that the first whole half of what we've done so far this morning uh, could not be heard if you were watching live on Facebook. So if you missed any of that, Blaine will come up after and with the benediction he'll share uh, what he shared earlier. If you are here, uh, you'll know that it is very distracting to come in, wear a mask, uh, have a washer going uh, above your head, the whole time and, and hearing water get drained. And, and I just want to admit that's very distracting, but it's distracting not for a bad reason, but a good reason. As, as you know, we have a shelter upstairs and clothes need to get washed. And that is why you hear water getting drained above you. We have the beautiful noise of Samuel who's wrestling with his mother. These are all good things. These aren't distractions, but they become distractions for us who want life to be simpler. And if you're anything like me, which I'm assuming you are, there's probably been a million times in the last four months that you looked at somebody and you said, why can't life just be a little more simple? So my hope today as we enter the word of God is to find that light for our path that will show us the way forward, that will allow us to, with everything else going on, find peace of heart and mind in the tremendous challenges we find ourselves in. So to that end, I'm going to read the prayer of Jesus in John 17. If you want to know why Jesus came, this is his prayer to the Father, and what he pleads for, what would be true of us and our relationship with God. If you want to close your eyes so you can focus on it, please do. I'm praying not only for those already following me, but also for those who will believe in me because of them and their witness about me. The goal is for all of them to become one heart and mind, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so that they might be one heart and one mind with us. Then the world might believe that you in fact sent me. The same glory you gave me, I gave them. So they'll be as unified and together as we are. I in them and you in me. Then they'll be mature in this oneness and give the godless world evidence that you've sent me and loved them in the same way you have loved me. Father, I want those you gave me to be with me right where I am so they can see my glory and the splendor you gave me having loved me long before there ever was a world. Righteous Father, the world has never known you, but I have known you and the disciples know that you sent me on this mission. I've made your very being known to them, who you are and what you do and continue to make it known so that your love for me might be in them exactly as I am in them. God, we pray for the fulfillment of Jesus' words right here, right now, with us. 
We know that, that, God, you are still with us, that you came and were with us in the person of Jesus, and you are now present with us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Not that we would remain isolated and alone, thinking our own thoughts, doing our own thing, but experiencing the oneness that you have, Father, Son, Spirit. I pray by your power and grace that we will be a people that experience that oneness. God, there's fear that we fight. There's anxiety that we wrestle with. We pray that your peace will guard us, guard our heart and minds so we can know you and enjoy you and go be the light of the world. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. We believe that the pursuit of joy does not lead us away from the place of pain. That's so important. We believe that the pursuit of joy does not lead us away to avoid, to separate ourselves from the place of pain. The pursuit of joy leads us along the way of Jesus. To avoid the pain is to miss the way altogether. The way goes through the cross, but the cross is not the destination. In this sermon series, we invite you to rest your thought on and in Christ who shows us the path beyond the cross that continues to eternal joy. We invite you to rest your mind in this happy thought. Rest your mind in this happy thought. Now, we have looked at how uh, Paul, writing from prison, shows us how we can have joy in conflict, how we can be thankful in anxiety, and now we learn what it looks like to have transcendent joy. Now, or sorry, transcendent peace. Now, the word peace, like the word thanksgiving in anxiety or, or the word joy in conflict, doesn't seem appropriate for the moment of time we live in, does it? Peace, transcendent peace. Where has your peace gone? Well, this is what I want you to know. Your peace is not gone. You have been lied to, and your faith has been taken. If you remember anything, remember this. Your peace is not gone. You have been lied to, and your faith has been taken. Peace does not simply disappear. Peace does not evaporate. Peace does not get scared and leave. Your peace is not gone, you have been lied to, and your faith has been stolen. What is that terrible lie that has stolen your peace? Well, let me read you the story, okay? So Hannah and I were gifted uh, this beautiful Jesus Storybook Bible by Pat and Jenny Tracy, and we've been reading it every night. And the second chapter tells us about The terrible lie. So I will read you about this terrible lie. And while I read you about this terrible lie, remember this. Your peace is not gone. You have been lied to. And your faith has been stolen. This is the terrible lie. Adam and Eve 
They're over here. Lived happily and together in their beautiful new home, and everything was perfect for a while. Until the day when everything went wrong. God had a horrible enemy. His name was Satan. Satan had once been the most beautiful angel, but he didn't want just to be an angel. He wanted to be God. He grew proud and evil and full of hate, and God had to send him out of heaven. Satan was seething with anger and looking for a way to hurt God. He wanted to stop God's plan, stop this love story right here, so he disguised himself as a snake, and he waited in the garden. Now, God had given Adam and Eve only one rule, don't eat The fruit of that tree, he told them, because if you do, you'll think you know everything. You'll stop trusting in me, and then death and sadness and tears will come. You see, God knew if they ate the fruit, they would think they didn't need him, and they would try to make themselves happy without him. But God knew there was no such thing as happiness without him. And life without him wouldn't be life at all. And as soon as the snake saw his chance, he slithered up silently to Eve. And the serpent whispered, does God really love you? If he does, why won't he let you eat the nice, juicy, delicious fruit? Poor you. Perhaps God doesn't want you to be happy. This doesn't seem like a nice snake. He is wrapping himself around Eve. If a snake wraps himself around you, Get away from that snake. Okay. The snake hissed words into her ears and sunk, and they sunk deep into her heart like poison. Does God love me? Eve wondered. Suddenly, she didn't know anymore. Just trust me, the serpent whispered. You don't need God. One small taste, that's all, and you'll be happier than you could ever dream. Eve picked the fruit and ate some, and Adam ate some too, and a terrible lie came into the world. It would never leave. It would live on in every human heart, whispering to every one of God's children, God doesn't love me. Your peace is not gone. You have been lied to. And your peace has been stolen. Your faith has been stolen. That is the terrible lie. And it whispers. And its whispers have grown and become a scream that now fills the earth God doesn't think about you, care about you, love you. That is the lie that we live with to this day. Does God really love us? And the result of accepting this lie has been doubt and distance from God. And instead of finding peace and protection in God, we find ourselves and feel ourselves very alone. Satan has not stopped Whispering. Satan has not stopped lying. In John 10, Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep, and all who have come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. But the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that you might have life, and you might have life to the full. What Jesus has brought us is the word that corrects the lie. You are loved. It is a peace that is transcendent. And what that means is it is a 
peace that is out of reach of the thief. So how and where do we find this safe and untouchable peace? This transcendent peace. Well, I'm going to digress for a second because I know using the word transcendent probably conjures a lot of other images. If you hear the word transcendent, you probably rarely think of the biblical idea of peace. We have um, been very exposed to the idea of other transcendental thinking, right? Um, In 1968, the Beatles took a trip to India. They left in February. And the reason why the Beatles and their wives, girlfriends, personal assistants, very, and this is kind of an interesting thing to look at, very rich white people. I mean, that really is what it was. They all left for India to escape what was happening in America. Because there was no peace in America. There was the civil rights movement. Vietnam was in the midst of happening. There was conflict in the world. And these rich people could not buy happiness. All their money, all their fame did not lead to peace. And so they sought it elsewhere. And so they got on a plane and they went to India to study with the Maharashi. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Um, I mean, to give you a gauge on how famous the Beatles were two years before they left for India, John Lennon famously said that they were more popular than Jesus. But that popularity had not led to any of the peace that Jesus represented. Isn't that interesting? So they get to India, and they only last a couple months, even though this journey led to an explosion of transcendental meditation throughout the world. The Maharashi, even though they had a... a um, falling out in April, and the Beatles actually left in uh, April 10th and 11th from India, listen, six days after the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. What were they doing while the civil rights movement was happening? They were seeking transcendental peace outside of the conflict. Now remember what we are leading off this sermon series with. Joy doesn't mean avoiding the pain. And that is what they tried to do to find peace. They tried getting out, going to a jungle, practicing transcendental meditation. And what they found in that jungle was the Maharaji, however you pronounce his name, was seeking the same thing they were. Wealth, influence, power, sensuality. And that's what led to the falling out. By the time the the Maharaji died, he was worth over a billion dollars and had trained over five million people in transcendental meditation throughout the world, and that still influences us today. And so so with that context, I want even the the Christians here today to understand why when when we, a lot of of this younger generation, starts experimenting with things um, like, you know, and I've done this too. If you leave our church because of this, I'm sorry, but I've gone to the Y to do yoga, right? And But if you, if you, do that also or have gone to the Y and then you have someone who, who grew up during the civil rights movement watching the Beatles go and practice transcendental meditation, you'll understand why they're afraid for you, for me, right? Because that's what yoga means. If you 
look back at its roots, right? I think a lot of the things we experiment with, with Bernie Sanders and socialism, and, and then we look back at, at what that looked like. Civil rights movement, right? There is nothing new under the sun. And so as we try to find a language to, to explore and understand what's going on in our thoughts, looking at the scripture, how it informs us, we need to keep coming back to what does the Bible say, not what does this new way of thinking, this, you know, this uh, health and wealth guru, what does this person say here, there, everywhere? What does this politician promise? All those things maybe have parts of truth. The only truth is Jesus. I know even sitting in this room, we probably have like 20 different perspectives on politics, right? But, but we have one Jesus, and that is who we go back to for the way, the truth, and the life. That's so important. And, and Jesus shows us how to treat everyone with dignity, respect, and honor. Not just in this life, but he invites us into the internal perspective. And that is where joy comes from. Not escaping this place of pain, but entering into it with Jesus. Knowing that he is invi- he's invited us and he's inviting everyone we talk to to come experience his peace. That genuinely baffles the mind of the world because it doesn't come from within us, it comes from him. It doesn't come from within us. It can't be located or found somewhere stored deep within a chamber of our hearts. It comes from God himself and it is a gift to us and it guards our hearts and minds. If you have not found peace in your heart and peace in your mind is because peace doesn't come from those places. It comes from God as a gift and then it guards our hearts and it guards our minds. This is such an important truth. So we will dive into Philippians and this is how it reads. Philippians 4, 4 to 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The context for the transcendent peace is what we've preached the last two weeks. The context is joy in the Lord. It's not found anywhere else. It's joy found uniquely in Jesus, even now, even here. It is the nearness of God. It is prayer and petition, thanksgiving, that defeats anxiety. These things are more powerful these things lead us towards enjoyment of the peace that is found in God. What we find here to experience this peace from God is a couple things. The first is this, that the peace is of God. You see it here, it says, and the peace of God. And, and this is very important because I think I find myself looking to relocate 
or locate peace in my heart all the time? And I think this is what we ask. Do you have peace in your heart? What we learn from this is peace doesn't dwell in you, peace protects you. This is, too, that's very different. The peace of God guards our hearts and minds. So it's peace of God, peace of God. Listen to this. I'm gonna read a couple verses that give you this context for this. Romans 4, 17 says, that, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what the kingdom of God is. Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 16, 20, which gives another layer to the idea of peace guarding us. It says, may the God of peace soon crush Satan under your feet. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 13, 20, 21 says, Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that the great shepherd of the sheep equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ. And may the God of peace do this. See, peace is for those who enjoy the holiness of God because, and these are some big words and I'll define them, enjoy the holiness of God because they have been justified by faith and regenerated by his spirit. Okay, and that, I know those are, that's like, what? What do you mean justified by faith, regenerated by his spirit? This is so important to know. It's so important to love big words. Because, because without those, without these old big words, we oftentimes lose the color, Right? I was thinking of the word, um, as I studied for this, the word tranquility. I was like, man, when was the last time I heard the word tranquility other than like a cheesy poster somewhere, right? Like actually someone talking about tranquility. I was like, man, I love these old words because so often we just, we use colorless words. We use words that, that aren't describing what we mean. And so what I mean is justified. What I mean is regenerated, right? Justified by faith means we have been cleansed from our sins. I mean, the easiest way to think of it, right? The classic way is just as if I'd never sinned, justified. And, and so by faith, we put our faith in Jesus who alone can take our sin away from us. We carry it around. That's what we find in us if we look deep within us apart from Jesus is we find our own wickedness and our weakness and, and the things we're blameworthy of. And, and yet in Jesus, we give that away and he takes it. Just as if we never sin, so we can enjoy the holiness of God rather than fear the holiness of God. Amen. And then regenerated by his spirit means we were, we were meant to live in loving, unbroken relationship with God. But because we have lived into and believed a terrible lie, we've lived alone, separated, under his wrath. Right? Regeneration means we're brought back in or restored into relationship with God by his spirit. That's such good news, right? We've been transferred from a place of darkness into a place of light, from a place of trying to find peace in our hearts that are broken to being guarded by the peace of God that transcends understanding. That is the good news. 
So it's found in him and it's a participation in the divine life. That is the peace of God. And that is what Jesus prayed for in John 17, that we would be one with the Father and Son as they are one together. Because the peace is found in that relationship. It is not an idea. It's not a theory. It's not a well-crafted theology. It is a reality. That you've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light and the love of the Son of Jesus Christ. You are in that. That's the good news, and that is the peace of God. And the second point is it transcends understanding. What is of God is above and beyond our understanding. Because our understanding can't dream of something that good. Like never in a million years will you look at someone else and being like, like without this truth that's from above, that's revealed to us, without God revealing himself to us, would we ever look at someone else and be like, hey, you're a child of God, or you can be a child of God. That is above and beyond what we ever could comprehend. That is simply what transcendent means, above and beyond. Not something of this world. It is a truth that God reveals to us. In Isaiah 58, 8 and 9, it says this. God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. My thoughts high above your thoughts. Romans eleven thirty six, this song of wonder and awe. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. This eternal glory that is his that he gives to us, we learn about and we access through his own revelation. And what he reveals to us is that the question, does God really love you, is a lie. Have you ever heard the expression, don't be so heavenly minded that you are of no earthly good? Have you heard that before? This is an old expression. Don't be so heavenly minded that you're of no earthly good. That is a lie. You cannot be too heavenly minded. The assumption of that statement is that if you are heavenly minded, you will forget about the earth. The thoughts of heaven are for the redemption of the earth. That is the heart of God, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. If your heart and mind is full of heaven, you will love the world and give yourself for it. You won't avoid the pain and you won't avoid the world. You will love the world so desperately that you will do anything for it to see Jesus. That is what it means to be heavenly minded. That is so important. So don't try to balance out your perspective. Well, I need 50% heaven, I need 50% earth. No, You need 100% heavenly mindedness because God loves the world. And so if you're heavenly minded, you will love the world and you will love your neighbor as yourself and you will seek the redemption of the people. And that the thoughts of heaven is Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son where the prodigal son feels alone that the father would never love him. But when he starts coming back, the father runs to him and wraps him in his arms and said, I couldn't wait till you came home. That is heavenly mindedness. And if you do not think that is heavenly mindedness, you are believing a terrible lie. 
Amen? Reject the terrible lie that God does not care about the earth. He does, and he cares about what's happening in your heart, in your neighborhood, in Seattle, in Washington, the nation, and the world. And that is the whole story of Jesus coming. That is the transcendent above and beyond thought. It's not that God has avoided the world, but that he's come to defeat and correct the terrible lie. That is the transcendent peace. And it is God's peace that then guards our hearts and minds. Listen to this. God's peace is the guardian of our hearts and minds. And if we are not at peace, it means that the enemy has found access into your heart and mind. That's a serious thought. If you are not experiencing peace, that is dangerous. If you are not experiencing peace, it is because the enemy has found access and you have started taking the bait, right? That God doesn't love you, that he's forgotten you somehow. I'm not saying you're lost because of that, but, but realize that, that God's transcendent peace, his, his peace that will, is meant to guard you, is not at that moment. Why? Well, because I think for us often, we forget that the weapons that we're given with, with the peace of God that transcends all understanding isn't flesh and blood, metal, or flame. It's not these things. The weapons that the world fights with is not new. The weapons that the, fight, the world fights with is the age-old terrible lie that you are alone, that God doesn't care about you. How do we fight this lie and find peace? Well, according to these verses, there is a part we have and there is a part God has. The part we have is rejoice in the Lord. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Our part is rejoice. God's near. Our part is with prayers and petitions and thanksgiving, making our requests known to God. That's our part. By prayer and petition. And then God's part is the guarding of peace. What does this look like? How does this practically look? Because I know I've just said a lot of things and you're like, man, that sounds super good. That sounds so good. I want that. Is it real? Well, let me show you a couple. I'm losing my voice. Let me show you how this looks. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The book of Daniel. Think about a time to lose your peace. They're going to get thrown in a fiery furnace. If they don't bow to the idol that's set before them. And they, they don't. And, and you know what they say? They're like, well, God can protect us if he wants to. But if not, we're not going to bow. And God protects them as they're thrown in. Think of Jesus sleeping in the boat during the storm while the the disciples are freaking out. How is Jesus sleeping? Because he knows he's in the Father's control. I mean, I think when he breaks the bread, he's gonna feed the 5,000 and he says, thank you, Father. Before anything happens, he's already thanking the Father because he trusts him. Thanking doesn't happen afterwards, it happens before. Think of Stephen as he's getting stoned in the book of Acts. Thank you. Wow. 
I haven't been talking a lot, you know? <laughs> Think of Stephen as he's getting stoned. And, and they're, throwing, they're literally killing him. And it says his face is like the face of an angel. That is not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Jesus, and Stephen avoiding the pain. It's not avoiding the conflict. It's not avoiding what's happening on the streets. It's experiencing the peace in the midst of it. Because as they made their requests known to God with prayers and petitions and thanksgiving, they just let the peace of God guard them. That is what it looks like. Now, one final example of what this transcendent vision looks like. And as we start each sermon in this series by saying this, that we invite you to rest your thought on and in Christ who shows us the path beyond the cross that continues to eternal joy. I want you to show, want to show you this transcendent vision of eternal joy and this is what it looks like and this is so appropriate for this moment. In Revelation 7, Verses nine, it says this, after I looked and there before me was a great multitude and no one could count from every nation, tribe, people and language standing before the throne of the lamb and they were wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hand. They cried out, salvation belongs to God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. Gosh, this is so good. Every tribe, tongue, nation, every people, guys, nobody's looking like one another and they're just, they're worshiping God. Salvation belongs to God. Salvation belongs to him. That's all they're focused on at this moment. This terrible lie has been defeated. Salvation belongs to God. And the angels standing around the throne, the elders and the living creatures, they fell down with their faces and they kept saying to God, worshiping him, amen, praise and glory, wisdom and thanks, honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever, amen. And the one of the elders, he says, these in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? And I answered, sir, you know. He said, these are those who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. They didn't get through this. They didn't get to the throne because they avoided tribulation. They came through the tribulation. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and they serve him day and night. He who sits on the throne will shelter them in his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not be down on them nor any scorching heat for the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to the spring of living water and God will wipe every tear from their hearts. They did not avoid the tribulation. They walked through the tribulation and their eternal state will be the shepherd himself, Jesus leading them to living water and wiping every tear from their eye forever and ever and ever. Amen. That is the transcendent vision. That is the transcendent peace. Do not let the terrible lie take that away from you. God loves you with an everlasting love and he's proven it by sending his own son for you. That in him, by putting his faith, your faith in him, you can be justified, sin taken away, regenerated and restored into a relationship with God. You are eternally safe. That's what we believe. That is better than any political system. It's better than any fashion diet. It's better than any book you can read. It's better than any 
paltry or lame advice someone can give you, even myself, right? This is the best news ever, that God loves you and he's made a way for you to be in relationship with him, not just now, but forever and ever and ever. Amen. Pray with me. Father, I pray that God, by your your grace, we'll hear this and hold this and more importantly, we'll let your peace guard us and hold us. We'll remember our peace isn't gone. We'll be able to identify the lie and live in your truth. We'll enjoy you because that is what we've been made for, to glorify God by enjoying you forever and ever. Amen.